0: You know, we've spent the last few weeks, this will be week four, that we've been studying about being kingdom-minded in our, in our daily life, um, and we've just based it off of uh, Matthew six thirty-three. And I want you just to say it with me, because by now you know it well. Um, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. To seek him first is to build an altar in our heart and to make him the center of our life, to make him uh, the priority uh, that our walk with him and whatever we do, whether we eat or drink, whatever we do, we do all for the glory of God. And I'll tell you what, if, if we can get that into our spirit, it'll change everything. Um, we're not just to stop at seeking his kingdom, but we're to seek his righteousness, his, his moral and ethical code. It's a, it's a moral concept. It's the very character of God. Righteousness and justice are the very foundation of his throne. And when we do that, when we seek him first, all these things, and I've pondered this scripture so much through my life, but especially these past few weeks will be added to you. All these things, wisdom, revelation, spiritual, emotional, uh, health, peace, joy, um, guidance, uh, kingdom keys and authority, all the things that really our hearts long for, but the world will never satisfy. So when we try to fulfill them in other ways, we're always gonna come up short. We've talked about becoming kingdom-minded through his word through our prayer life and through the power and the presence of his holy spirit i love the way jonathan edwards summed it up for us well when he said the seeking of the kingdom of god is the chief business of the christian life it's 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 our goal you know when you look in luke 12:32 it is the father's jesus said this it is the father's good pleasure to give us the kingdom much of Jesus's teachings, when you when you read through the Gospel, uh, much of his teaching centered around the kingdom of God, a lot of his parables, many of the things that he taught. And when you look over it in Acts, I love reading Acts, but when you look in Acts one after he died and he rose and before his ascension, he spent some forty days, the word says, teaching and preaching about the kingdom of God. That's what he taught. And he was preparing them. For, the, for, for Pentecost, that they could become witnesses, that we would become witnesses when the Holy Spirit was poured out and we would be his physical representations in the earth calling the kingdom of God. Uh, Luke 17, 21, when Jesus was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will they say, see here, or see there. For indeed, the kingdom of God Is within you, so the kingdom of God is anywhere that God is king. Is He king in your heart? Is He number one? Is He the priority? Then the kingdom of God is in you. I don't know about you, but it still boggles my mind. After all these years of serving the Lord, it boggles my mind that as a Christian, that according to Romans eight and eleven that that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in me and lives in you, giving life to this mortal body. With all its flaws, with all its weaknesses, with all my failures, and we all have them, he lives in us. I want you to let this resonate in you, and we're gonna close out the kingdom tonight, the teaching on it, but I want it to resonate in you If you're a Christian, you're God's address. You're his temple. His very presence lives inside of you. You and I were created in his image to fellowship with him and for his glory. In Matthew 6, 9 through 13, when Jesus taught his disciples to pray, and we too are his disciples... He said, when you pray, say, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In this prayer, Jesus was teaching his followers the beauty of fellowship through worship. There's something that happens in worship that can't happen anywhere else because he's God and it's in his presence and when we worship him in the beauty of holiness, when we begin to recognize his character and his nature, and we begin to glorify him in that manner, and we look into his presence, we're changed. There's something, it, he, he begins to expand our capacity to understand his ability. We begin to see things we've not been able to see before in worship. So in essence, he was teaching his disciples and us the beauty that a fellowship that comes through worship. Don't let it just be words. It's not one-sided. It's not just me telling God how powerful he is, but he resides there. I'm, 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 we're entering into the holy of holies. So there's this fellowship taking place. And then he's showing us how to exercise our God-given kingdom authority to call heaven to earth and to allow his manifest presence to be released in our circumstances. And we face a lot of circumstances. We face a lot of things that we need his power and glory. I've been, I pray over this season that we've been searching out his word That we're becoming more aware of the kingdom of God. That every day we're realizing that His Spirit, His manifest presence, lives within us, dwells within us. And as we seek Him, we're intentionally positioning ourselves to host His presence to be more aware of his goodness and his grace and his mercy and to release his power in our lives. The takeaway, one of the big takeaways for me in this study has been something that Bill Johnson said. I've shared it with you a couple times. I'm going to share it again. All increase in the kingdom comes through the faithful stewardship of what we already have. Are you ready to go deeper Are you ready to experience more of the depths of God, the love of God, the anointing of God, the power of God, the fruit of God in your life? Then in order for that to happen, we have to steward what we already know. We have to walk in what we already know. We have to obey the things that we already know. And when we do that, there's gonna be moments in our life and, and, and seasons in our life that without even realizing it because we're, we're stewarding what we already know that he is increasing our capacity for his presence to flow into our life. He's, he's given us new wineskins for new wine that we weren't able to even handle before or release before, because we weren't open to it before. Everything that we've looked at in the scriptures so far. Point us to in, in the direction of living a kingdom minded life. And that's what I want to talk about tonight. We've talked about the word. We've talked about uh, uh, our prayer life. The Holy Spirit seeking first. And I want us to look at, at being kingdom minded in our lifestyle. In Ephesians 5 and 1. He says, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for. So right off, he's saying, imitate God, be Christ-like, be an example in your everyday life. When you look over in 1 Peter, you see the same exhortation to Christ-likeness. He says, but as he has called you as holy, you also be holy in all your conduct or all manners of living. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. We're to imitate God, we're to be holy, we're to live like him and walk in his power and anointing. John Morrison said, God's will for you is to make you more like Jesus. Christ likeness is your target. Your goal, your vision, and the reason you were created. You are set apart to be like Jesus. That goal will take the rest of your life. How many of you know every day we're moving from faith to faith, strength to strength, and glory to glory? And we're being transformed into the image of God. I, I never understood this before until a few years back, probably with Betty Friend. It hit me with Betty Friend. Because she walked so close to God. This woman that loved to serve and be behind the scenes. Such anointed woman of God. And at that scripture began to come to life to me from glory to glory. And I had heard a song that one day we'll step from this life into glory. And there won't be any big change. And I'm like, God, how's that going to happen? But he's constantly, when we're looking at him and we're worshiping him and we're And we're allowing our lifestyle, our conduct to emulate him. We're being changed to be like him, to walk in love, to walk in the fruit of the spirit, to walk in his grace and to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. When you look at 1 John 2 and 6, it cuts right to the heart of the matter. It says, whoever says he abides in him, ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Christ's likeness or becoming kingdom-minded in our everyday life flows from abiding in our relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not a visitation. It's not an occasional moment in God's presence. It'll start there. It'll start there when you come to Christ. But as we grow, we learn to abide in our relationship with, with Jesus Christ and we often wrestle even in this life with the eternal and the temporal which we try to separate the two we have our church life and we have our secular life and then we try to merge them on Sundays but as a Christian the manifest presence of God dwells in us 24 7 all day every day So in John 15, Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you abide in me all day, every day, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. That abiding in him is what produces a kingdom minded lifestyle. And it's line upon line, it it, it doesn't just happen. It's because we consistently put ourselves before the Lord and and we abide in him and we begin to understand that I'm not one thing here and one thing there. It's not because I feel spiritual or I feel this. It's because Christ now lives in me. And in him, I live, I move, I have my being 24-7, 24-7. Whether I feel him or not, there's nowhere I can go from his presence But as a child of God, he dwells in me. The kingdom of God is in me. And aren't you glad? It's not dependent upon feelings or circumstances. We would be wavering all the time all over the place. Because they're fickle. When you look at Romans 1 and two, very familiar, Paul gives us this beautiful example of how to live a kingdom-minded lifestyle. I love the message. They're gonna put it up on the screen. So here's what I want you to do. But don't, don't miss this part. God helping you take your everyday ordinary life, you're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work and you're walking around life and place it before God as an offering Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit in, that you blend in, that you don't stand out. Don't get comfortable with the world's standards. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily, quickly recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you and develops well-formed maturity in you. We're not to be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. That's, that's a picture of what it is to abide in the Lord. And it's something that we have to really be mindful of and be intentional about because it's easy It really is easy to try to move from carnal to spiritual, secular to spiritual. I won't say carnal, but even secular. But we're not two different people. And his presence lives in us. And as long as we're in this flesh, our flesh is always going to try to dictate our actions and our attitudes. I don't care how long you serve God, the flesh is fleshly. It gets, it gets fickle, it's, it's prone to throw fits, it gets easily offended, it doesn't matter your age, it doesn't matter how long you serve God. If it's left unchecked, it'll get out of control. That's why it does matter what we allow into our minds, what we allow in, that we watch, that we listen to, what we say, where we go. Because carnal ideology and entertainment will draw our hearts away from God. And we see it happening. That's why he said, be careful not to be deceived. Even in the last days, guard your heart against that. Because none of us are above it. And when you feed your mind on just a diet of of things that go against the word of God, pretty soon you're going to buy into it. Romans 8, 6, and 7 says, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind is enmity or an enemy of God. It's not subject to the law of God. It can't be. It's contrary. The the apostle Paul teaches us through his own testimony in Galatians 2 and 20 how important it is to crucify the flesh. I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And then he gives us this godly nugget of wisdom in Galatians 5 and 16 on how to gain victory over the flesh. He says, walk in the Spirit so you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. It's something that we have to be very mindful of and very aware of, and it's got to be intentional. It's got to be intentional. And we follow after the things of God. Our choices, our attitudes, our actions, our obedience have everything to do with our spiritual growth and maturity. Ultimately, Jesus is the one, the Holy Spirit is the one, who transforms us. He's the only one that can change the heart. But we play a part in partnering and allowing through surrender and obedience for that to take place. I read this simple life-changing prayer that I think is good for all of us. God, please keep my eyes focused on the only thing worth hitting, Christ-likeness. Let's just stop and do that for a moment. Of his glory and grace. There are times when it doesn't matter how long you serve God. What position you hold. Just because of the cares of life. Just because of the distractions and the disappointments. And all of those things that we're prone to face. That we have to take a step back and recalibrate. And refocus and keep pressing and remember who he is and check, keep our life in check before him. Charles Spurgeon said a Christian should be a striking likeness of of Jesus Christ. Christ's likeness comes through commitment. It takes effort. It's much more than just knowledge that comes from reading God's word, but it it, it happens when we begin to apply his word, when we're not just uh, hearers, but we're doers, and we begin to obey what we know. It comes through surrender. Surrender means I'm going to relinquish control to another to submit to the power and authority of God to yield to him. Jeremy Wood said, Surrendering requires trust, a trust that goes beyond what we can comprehend. It is an invitation to relinquish control and place our faith in the one who knows the beginning from the end. As we surrender, we acknowledge that God's ways surpass our own and his plans for us are far greater than we can fathom. There comes a point in every one of our lives, different seasons, that we come face-to-face with the decision to obey and follow the will of God or to follow our own agenda. It happens all through our life because there's gonna be points and seasons that we hit that we're gonna face temptation, we're gonna face struggle, we're gonna face offense, we're gonna face um, the, the uh, choice even to compromise or to settle back or to uh, withhold our praise, whatever it is. There comes points after point after point that we're gonna be in the face of God and we're gonna know that God is dealing with us and he's drawing us and he's wooing us and he's putting his finger on things. And it's gonna be up to us a personal choice. You can be married and your spouse cannot do it for you. There comes a time when we have to determine in our life that we're going to obey what God is speaking to us and we're going to surrender our agenda for his will. And that's where the fullness of God is released. That's where the kingdom is released. That's where his power and authority begin to operate in our life is when we obey and we surrender what we already know. Surrender is one of the primary functions of faith. Psalms 37 and seven says, surrender yourself to the Lord and wait patiently for him. One of the most prolific spiritual transformations that will ever happen in our lives will come through our seasons of surrender. Surrender. Sometimes it's just small acts of surrender too. Sometimes it's just saying I'm sorry. Even if you don't feel like you're wrong. But the Holy Spirit's putting his finger there. Sometimes it's in a church service when it seems quiet and nothing's going on. And your mind is going a hundred different places. And you feel the Holy Spirit saying I want to commune with you. Lift your hands. Lift your heart. It's those small steps that bring transformation that lead us to big encounters with God. Kingdom encounters. We've been talking about the kingdom of God that's within us. Being more aware of his presence and his power and his purpose and walking in that and allowing him to move in us. The surrendered life is one that experiences the sweet abiding presence of God. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge, my fortress, my God, in him I will trust. That secret place, that kingdom place. That place of abiding, of intimacy, of glory in his presence, his fullness of joy. And at his right hand, our pleasures forevermore. Kingdom lifestyle is what we're talking about. Not based on what I feel or what I see. Or even what I even know up to this point. Because everything that we've experienced of God and seen of God, there is more. There is more. And God is the God that longs to pour in. The surrendered life is a transformed life. The Holy Spirit has been teaching me this powerful truth over, over the past few years that surrender is a process. It's progressive and yet it's proactive. It, it comes through our times of seeking. Yet I have this realization. It just, you know how some things just kind of smack you in the face sometimes? That you Can seek without surrendering. But you can't surrender without seeking. You can seek, and God can show you things, and you can come face to face with a new level of glory and know beyond any doubt that God is saying there's some things you cannot carry with you into this new place. I need you to trust me in this just like the rich young ruler. I need you to go sell everything that you have and give it to the poor. I need you to trust me that I'm gonna do something more significant with your life and you can either leave sorrowful or you can trust God in that moment and say, there's something happening in the kingdom. There's something happening in my life. There's something happening in this season and I'm gonna trust him with what he's asking me. And I'm going to press through and let God do something in my, in my life. It's a process. It's progressive. It's proactive. Rick Warren said, don't wait to feel powerful or confident. Move ahead in your weakness, doing the right thing in spite of your fears and your feelings. This is how you cooperate with the Holy Spirit. This is how your Christ-like character is developed. It's moving ahead in spite of your fears, in spite of your feelings. It's going by faith. It's knowing that God who promised will deliver. It's knowing that God will do what he said he will do. It's knowing that on the other side of your surrender and your obedience, there will be blessings that you cannot even imagine. Surrender comes through a renewed mind. The core of our conduct, and I want you to hear me, I felt like this was something that the Lord put specifically in for this week. The core of our conduct flows from our thought life. Proverbs tells us, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. What we dwell on long enough and what we begin to believe, that's how we begin to act. So our conduct flows from our thought life. That's why a renewed mind is necessary for our spiritual health and growth. And we have, to, we have to feed ourselves continually. Ephesians 3 says to put off your former way of life, your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. And what are we to do? We're to be renewed where? Where? In the spirit of our mind. That's the battlefield right there. That's where we're distracted. That's where condemnation hits, all those thoughts. That's where we battle. And he tells us in his word to be renewed in the spirit of our mind. And the way we renew our mind is through his word. His word is truth. It's life. It's light. It's health to our soul. So we have to take this word. And I know you're here and pastor and I say this often. We're doing, we have to do this in our own life. It doesn't matter how long we preached or what we know or what scriptures we've memorized for our own spiritual health and sanity we have to take this word and we have to hide it in our heart. We have to renew our mind with it and meditate on it and study it and memorize it and saturates our thoughts and, and, and drink deeply until the word of God dwells in us richly. And then it'll overflow and we can encourage one another through psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and we can provoke one another. Jack Hayford says this, The Bible is as necessary to spiritual life as breath is to natural life. There's nothing more essential to our lives than the word of God. So we're renewed. If we're gonna have a kingdom lifestyle, if we're not gonna live partially secularly and partially spiritually depending on our feelings or depending on the day of the week, but we're gonna serve God with all that we have and his kingdom is gonna be at work in us, we're gonna have to renew our mind and give him everything. Colossians says this, if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is. Sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above. Not on things of the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ. I read somewhere. If we think like Jesus. We're more likely to act like him. If we think like him. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And that's been my prayer as we've been studying these past few weeks is that we would become proactive in our faith, that we would study the kingdom, that we would read the word, read the gospels and and see the kingdom at work and that we would allow God to move in our lives like never before, that we would yield ourselves as instruments of righteousness to God and allow him to do the work Work deep within us that needs to be done so that we can bear fruit for him. But we can also understand the power and the glory of his presence in our life. That we can encounter him not just occasionally when we come to church and the worship we feel is good. But even at home, even in our car, that his presence, his anointing will overtake us. Richard Baxter, as I close, gave this thought. Spend your time in nothing which you know must be repented of, in nothing on which you might not pray for the blessing of God, in nothing which you could not review with a quiet conscience on your dying bed, in nothing with which you might not safely and properly be found doing if death should surprise you in the act. And I want to speak this into you before we close. And I want you to hear this. Because God is doing something in every one of you. And I see it week from week. We see it. With every level of surrender. With every act of obedience. With every declaration from God's word. With every praise you lift up. You are pushing against the kingdom of darkness, and you are releasing the kingdom of God. You are shifting the atmosphere in your home, in this community, in this church. Don't grow weary in doing what is well and doing what is right. Keep moving forward. Keep Seeking the kingdom of God when you feel it, when you don't. When you see fruit, when you don't. Because here's the thing. You are going to be planted by the rivers of living water. And your roots are going down deep. And even when you don't feel it, others can see the kingdom working in you. And it's not dependent. The kingdom is not dependent upon us for power anyhow. We're dependent on the kingdom. And as long as we yield and submit and we allow God to arise and do what God does, he's going to do what he does whether we feel it or not because he's God.